Welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything weather, science, earth science, and periodically some interesting off-topic episodes that, for no other reason, your host finds interesting. I am your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz podcast, Andre Bernier. I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio, a position I've enjoyed for over three decades. In just a moment, we'll explore today's topic. You can find and listen to this podcast via any podcast app by searching for Weather Jazz, one word. Every episode is available via the website, weatherjazz.com, which is also where you'll find any accompanying information and links for every episode. Hi, everybody. This is episode number 81 for Friday, August the 9th, twenty. 19, and this is going to be uh, an episode that is uh, a bit more about astronomy than anything else because of uh, the upcoming Perseid meteor shower, which is going to be peaking this weekend, and it is, at least this year, unfortunate that the peak is going to be occurring when the moon is approaching full. Right now, it's right in between its uh, first quarter and full state, a, a state that we call the Gibbous Moon. It's a pretty moon, and uh, that in and of itself is going to be a great target to look at in the skies, but it will be interfering in the sense that uh, it'll be putting a lot of light into the atmosphere. And uh, so you like super dark skies when you come to the Perseid meteor showers or any meteor showers for that matter. However, that will not take away from the fact that the meteor showers will be there this weekend. And uh, with a little patience, especially after midnight, uh, looking in the northeast sky, uh, best um, thing to do really is uh, if you have a place to lay down on a grassy knoll or maybe your backyard deck that has a pretty good uh, northeast look at the sky, just lay down after midnight, uh, put a pillow uh, under your neck, and just watch, because every couple of minutes you should be able to see a meteor or two. Now, the Perseids have the ability to produce some bolides from time to time. Uh, in other words, uh, some larger chunks of debris from the comet left behind in this particular case uh, could, in fact, be uh, seen from time to time. It's not uh, an exact science, but astronomers uh, tell us from spaceweather.com and other places that uh, we could see some fireballs uh, mixed in there uh, periodically, which are always a very, very, very fun thing to see. So keep that in mind, but that's really not what this weather jazz is all about in this particular go-around. We're going to talk about the International Space Station first and foremost, uh, because uh, right now the International Space Station is not really visible here in uh, Ohio. It might be in other parts of the world, and you might be listening from an, another part of the United States or even another part of the world, and uh, your uh, your computations for seeing the International Space Station pass by would be different from northeastern, uh, northeastern Ohio. So let me just address those of you that are in the Ohio market that uh, right now we're not seeing it because the orbit 
is such that uh, it is not passing by uh, at uh, just the exact trajectory and the exact time. You need it uh, passing by and overhead either just before sunrise or just after sunset in order to make uh, some of those beautiful stellar passes. And there are, quote-unquote, what we call seasons uh, that uh, they're kind of clumped in. And we just exited one of those seasons. Uh, last week, we saw, had a couple of great passes in the evening hours. But now we're not going to see the International Space Station for a while. The next set of passes will be morning passes, And those will start occurring at the end of August and toward early September. A couple of decent passes then. uh, And then, again, another quiet period before we get back into the evening passes. Uh, So as we approach those morning passes at the end of August, I'll give you a couple of uh, more interesting things to look for for those of you in Northeast Ohio. But I'm not going to give you that data now. And the reason for it is that very frequently the Internet National Space Station, it makes adjustments in its orbit. And those little minute orbits can kind of throw off the times. Uh, So if we gave you those times now and you kept those on hand, you wouldn't have the very freshest data. And sometimes it makes a huge difference, not only with the altitude or the azimuth uh, that the passes occur, but also the brightness and the times that they will occur. Just know that we're going to be entering into the morning pass season, and it looks like maybe three or four really decent passes uh, in the period from about August 26th until about September 3rd or 4th that that will be uh, visible in the morning sky. So we'll let you know as we approach that season. Uh, But uh, let's talk a little bit about the space station while we have that uh, kind of in our heads, even though we can't see it. uh, A lot of questions about the International Space Station, or the ISS for short. A lot of people ask, well, uh, where exactly is it? Well, it's high above our heads, and the altitude of the International Space Station above our heads and above the Earth's atmosphere is uh, 233 miles. That's, uh, I'm sorry, 253 miles. That's about it. Um, So as a result of this very low orbit, uh, it has to be running or, or speeding along at a very, very rapid speed in order to negate gravity. And so the speed by or with which it's uh, passing by is in the order of tens of thousands of miles per hour. The orbital speed is 17,100 miles per hour, give or take. And that means that uh, every 92 minutes, the International Space Station makes one complete pass around the globe. So essentially, they are seeing about 15 sunrises and 15 sunsets every single day. And uh, all of the crew up there um, will see those sunrises and sunsets um, uh, during that uh, 24-hour period. That's 15.54 of them, to be uh, specific. And inside the space station, uh, some of you may ask, well, what's the atmospheric pressure? Obviously, it has to be pressurized. Just like an aircraft is pressurized uh, when it uh, goes into flight up uh, around 30 to 40,000 feet. Uh, But the atmospheric pressure inside the ISS is actually higher than the pressure inside of an aircraft. 
the pressure is kept at exactly one atmosphere, and that is 29.92 inches of mercury, or 101.3 kilopascals. Okay, what is the atmosphere inside of it? Is the mix any different? And the answer is no. Uh, They keep it at 79% nitrogen and 21% oxygen and the length of the international space station if you try to envision just how big this thing is it is almost as long as a football field not quite it's just under 300 feet and um, but it's at a very low uh, altitude of 250 miles so uh, we get to see it as a pretty bright object uh, if it passes by at just the right time which is just before sunrise and just after sunset again we'll have those times for you as we approach uh, the end of august and early uh, september In the meantime, uh, the Hubble Space Telescope is making some news because uh, it recently took uh, some photographs of Jupiter last month, and I'm going to post that on weatherjazz.com. Just look for this episode and look for the uh, two photographs that I'll be posting. The first one is of the planet uh, Jupiter, and uh, this new Hubble Space Telescope of Jupiter, which uh, I'm going to post, which was taken at the end of June, reveals that the giant planet's trademark, which is that red spot, has become more intense because recently, within the last couple of years, it has been shrinking and kind of getting very pale. It almost looked like it was ready to kind of give it up. But this recent image taken by the Hubble Space Telescope shows that the red intensity has increased and it has grown a little bit larger. And so that's an interesting trend that a lot of people are not only interested in, but very happy to see, because um, some of the astronomers were wondering whether or not the Great Red Spot would completely disappear even in our lifetime. It certainly looked like uh, that possibility existed, but uh, things have uh, turned the corner in that particular case. And uh, you will also see the bands. The bands of Jupiter are actually created by the difference in the thickness and the height of the ammonia ice clouds that make up the giant gas giant. The colorful bands, which flow in opposite directions, by the way, if you take a look at time-lapse movies of Jupiter, they actually result from different atmospheric pressures. The lighter bands are the ones that rise higher and have thicker clouds than the darker bands. So when you see the darker bands, they're actually lower or closer to the Jovian surface, and the brighter ones are the very, very tall bands uh, that go high up into the uh, Jovian or the Jupiter atmosphere. The other photograph I'm going to post is a Hubble image taken of two galaxies that are interacting with one another. And it's a kind of a strange pair uh, which uh, is uh, several, several millions and millions of stars in each galaxy uh, which are interacting with uh, one another. For those of you that are astronomy buffs, I'll give you the UGC number. It's a galactic duo known as UGC 
2369 for those that want to try to locate it uh, up in the sky that have those super powered far powerful telescopes and uh, you're going to really need some patience and a lot of uh, uh, time-lapse photography to image them but uh, certainly uh, it is a possibility and these are interacting what what do we mean by that they're actually two galaxies together and their mutual gravitational attraction is actually pulling them closer and closer together, and it's distorting their shapes, both of them. You can see that process taking shape. Go look at the image. It's on weatherjazz.com on episode number 81, right underneath the Jupiter photo that I will be uh, posting. Again, both posted by the Hubble telescope uh, this particular summer. We'll have fun this weekend trying to find some Perseids. If uh, you happen to catch a couple of them, and if you're an astrophotographer, love to see your photographs. You can always send me a photograph, weatherjazz at yahoo.com, and uh, we'll follow up and uh, perhaps even post some of those images on the website a little bit later on. Have a great weekend, a restful one. Looks like the weather will be cooperating, and uh, enjoy the skies. Hope you've enjoyed today's episode and will help me to spread the word about this podcast inside your sphere of influence, both on social media and by word of mouth. If you have a question or a topic suggestion, I welcome your input. You can easily reach me at weatherjazz at yahoo.com. If you're listening to Weather Jazz via one of the many podcast apps available, remember to subscribe so that you can automatically download every episode as I make them available. And if you're in the Cleveland, Ohio area, or plan to visit or simply traveling through, you can catch my 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. weekday weather segments on WJW Television, Fox 8, or online, live at fox8.com. If you have a Twitter or Instagram account, you can follow me at Andre Bernier, A-N-D-R-E-B-E-R-N-I-E-R. We'll see you soon with another engaging episode right here on Weather Jazz.